Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. everybody it is wednesday yes that's right wednesday october 26 2022 and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the mma fighting twitter spaces you can hear the show in its entire in its entirety excuse me shortly thereafter on the mma fighting podcasting network i am mike heck wow do we have a lot to talk about not only from ufc 280 we got a very busy week and weekends coming up in the world of combat sports I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of UFC 280 talk because it is Wednesday. We didn't have a show yesterday because the MMA hour shifted to Monday, Tuesday. So we also shifted to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So we're going to go three days in a row to recap UFC 280, to talk about everything going on this weekend. Bellator's got a card this weekend. Tons of boxing, including the Jake Paul Anderson Silva card. We will be there for that, I believe. There'll be three of us there. I think it's Jose, Sean, and Casey, I think, are all going to be there. And then, of course, the UFC's back on Saturday as well with a super fun main event. Calvin Cater versus Arnold Allen. Massive fight at 145 pounds. It is at the apex. It is what it is. I ain't going to complain about it because we're going to see that fight nonetheless. But a lot to dissect from UFC 280. First of all, let me just say, for those who checked out the watch party holy cow thank you all very much that was so much fun it was incredibly chaotic myself and gc in the studio it's a long day on saturday a very 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 long day it was up at 3 a.m to catch my early morning flight flew into newark went right to the studio got ready to go we had some hiccups along the way as you saw, may have saw in the post, and I announced it, I think, on Friday, Raphael Fazeev was supposed to join us for the main event. Something went down, and he wasn't able to make it. So we were like, uh-oh, what do we do? And I try to hit up everybody. We eventually got Chris Weidman to agree to do it. 
but then it just kind of got too late and he couldn't do it either. But I think it actually worked out great. I think the hang was awesome. Sean Alshadi hung out for the last two fights. We had New York Rick. We had Drake Riggs on for a little bit. It was just so much fun. And hopefully this is the first of many. I don't know. I honestly have no idea. But hopefully we get to continue to do this. I think the viewership was strong. I think everybody dug it who tuned in. Some people probably jumped on there and thought they were going to be able to watch the fights on there. Obviously, we can't do that. But I just thought it was like a fun alternative, just hang out and be in that studio. It was just, it was just insane. And what we watched was a storyline-filled aftermath because of what happened on Saturday. Of course, Islam Makachev is the new lightweight champion of the world, just dominates Charles Oliveira, gets the submission in the second round. Great promo afterwards with him and Habib. Volkanovsky comes into the cage, and it looks like that's the direction we're going to go. Maybe in February. Some people are into this idea. Others are not. Some people want to see Benil Dariush get what he deserves after his big win over Matush Gamrat. I got to tell you, I was on the fence about this Volkanovsky idea for a while, but after that promo, the face-to-face, all of it, I'm all in. I'm all into it. I, I have to see it. It sucks for Benil, but I think we could still give him a massive fight, possibly against Charles Oliveira. And if he wins that, it's undeniable. He'll fight either Volkanovsky or, or Islam Makachev for the title sometime in 2023. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I am fine with that. I know it's a little bit out of the box, but I'm in. Aljamain Sterling defeats TJ Dillashaw. I know some people have thoughts on the shoulder and all that, and we can probably talk about that at some point today, but I had a take on the fight. It was just my feeling deep down inside that, look, the fight's much different if Dillashaw has two working shoulders. But after watching the early stages of the fight, just seeing those two guys in the cage together, going face-to-face, seeing how big Aljamain Sterling was, I was like, man, I think I like completely underestimated the size and strength differentials in this fight because Aljo looked like a freaking welterweight in there and TJ looked like a bantamweight. And Aljo just, was just so much bigger than him. And he hit him on the feet a couple of times. TJ was uncomfortable. I get it. It's the shoulder. The whole thing is stupid. It just goes back to what I've been talking about for months. TJ Dillashaw should not have gotten that title shot. It should have been Jose Aldo the entire time. Now Jose is retired. We're not going to see that fight. And now the Bantamweight division is in a crazy place right now. Because what do we do now? Sean O'Malley fights Piotr Jan just before that co-main event happens. And that fight was fantastic. It was electric. It was incredible. Sean O'Malley gets the split decision. And everybody is up in arms about it. Everyone's screaming robbery. Everyone's saying this and that. Here's the thing. Watching it live, doing the group hang, doing the, the, the watch party, we're in a, a different kind of zone. I scored the first round for O'Malley. Some people agree with that. Others do not. I scored the first round for O'Malley. I thought it was a very close round. I thought O'Malley landed the cleaner, better shots. So I gave him the round. But if you want to score for Peter Yan, I ain't going to be mad at you. Third round, real close. A lot of people thought, O'Malley won that round. I actually thought Jan won that round. I know Jan was busted up. I know the ear was bleeding. I know all of that stuff. 
to me, I thought Jan did enough to win that round. Again, if you scored that round for O'Malley, I ain't going to be mad at you. Round two was the only clear round of the fight. And that was Piotr Jan's round. So those screaming robbery, go back and watch it. This is not a robbery. The scorecards, especially in rounds one and three, were all over the place. And I've had people hit me up and say, you know what? On Saturday, I was, I was angry at this result. Angry at it. I thought Piotr Jan won. And then I went back and watched it again. And it's not, and be, these people are saying it's not egregious that Sean O'Malley got that decision. Don't know if I agree. I haven't gone back and watched it a second time, but I don't think it's a robbery. And with that being said, even, even if you felt like Jan won the fight, Sean O'Malley, because of what Dana White said heading into the fight, he said the winner of that fight's fighting for the title. And guess who won the fight? I don't care how you scored it. Sean O'Malley won the fight. And now we're going to see what we have to do. Here's, here's what was kind of shocking on Saturday. For the first time in two years, in like two years, Dana White, in a not negative way, mentioned the name that shall not be named on the show. But we're going to have to name him here because it's in the news. Mentioned Henry Cejudo. A journalist or a reporter who was in there was like, what do you think of the Bantamweight division? What do you think of what could be next for Aljamain Sterling? And he goes, I don't know. What do you think could be next? And Dana White mentions Henry Cejudo's name. And the reporter was like, eh, didn't really think much about it. Just really wanted to get his question answered, I guess. And even Dana said, because I mentioned Henry Cejudo to this guy and he didn't seem to give a shit. And guess what? Nobody does. Nobody does. So now we're in this weird situation where if you listen to the MAR yesterday, what the UFC wants, and by the way, to say that this fight is targeted would be premature. What the UFC wants is to do Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo, possibly in Perth as the second title fight. I feel like this is a horrible idea. I feel like this is a horrible idea for multiple reasons. One, Henry Cejudo turned his back on you. He turned his back on you. You were trying to build him up. He was starting to make the, make the rise up the ladder of being a star for your company. And then he turned his back on you. And he said, I'm out of here. Give me millions and millions of dollars. I want that Connor money. I'm done until you give it to me. And then Henry just kept teasing he was going to come back over and over and over and over again over these two years. Kept commenting on all the Bantamweight title fights, all the Featherweight title fights, all the Flyweight title fights. Now he's apparently back in the USADA pool and nothing's on the books for him. But apparently he's, there's apparently what the UFC wants is for him to walk back into a title fight. Why? Why would you do this? Because let me give you an idea of what's going to happen. What's going to happen is if Henry Cejudo beats Aljamain Sterling, he's either going to say, now I'm retiring again because I, now I definitely want more money. Or the other thing is, he is going to sit out until he gets the fight with Volkanovski. So now you're not only potentially holding up one division, you're potentially holding up two divisions because Henry Cejudo isn't going def- to fight for the Bantamweight title. He's not going to defend it because he's going to want to fight friggin' Alexander Volkanovski, depending on what happens there. And then, like, we're just going to go around this whole circle. Like, and, and by the time this fight happens... We might actually have some clear-cut answers of what's going at 145. And then here comes Cejudo, and he's going to be like, nope, forget those guys. Forget Cater and Emmett and Yair and 
all these other dudes that are on the way up, it's me. It's me. By the way, let me just say this again, whether or not you agree with this or not, Sean O'Malley beat Piotr Jan. You said into a live microphone, the winner of that fight was getting a title shot. Sean O'Malley versus Aljamain Sterling is a bigger fight than the Henry Cejudo fight. It's a more, it's a more drawing fight right now. It just is. You want to know how to change that narrative? Henry Cejudo fights somebody else and wins, and then you change that narrative. Because right now, nobody cares. And the reason is, nobody believes he's coming back to fight anybody. Because what if he signs on and says, all right, I'm in. And then two months before the fight happens, he's like, nah, I'm not getting enough money. I'm out. Then you're screwed. Then you're totally screwed. What are you going to do now? So the fight to make, to me, is Aljamain Sterling versus Sean O'Malley. It's an interesting matchup. And if I'm Aljamain Sterling, why are you not going all in on this idea? Stop. Like, and this is a problem throughout on Saturday. Because multiple people did this. Benil Dariush especially. Whatever the UFC wants, that's what I'm going to take. What? What are you talking about? If you are Aljamain Sterling, your whole entire process coming out of this fight is going all in on fighting Sean O'Malley because he has a very good chance to win that fight. The way his size, his athleticism, and I know O'Malley presents some length and some striking challenges to Aljamain, but Aljamain is a monster at 135 pounds, and I would pick him to beat Sean O'Malley. It's the most winnable fight. It's the biggest fight he can get. This is prize fighting, Aljamain. This is prize fighting. You take a matchup that you are favored in, that you can get the most eyeballs on, that you can make the most money with, and you go all in on that. Colby Covington has done this better than anybody. Do that. What are we doing here? I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. What, what purpose does this Henry thing serve right now? I don't get it. And again, you're doing heel versus heel. You're doing heel versus heel. Who are we supposed to cheer for? Who are fans supposed to cheer for? Because you didn't have anybody to cheer for in this Sterling Dillashaw fight. O'Malley is pretty over right now. He could become just a massive superstar for you. And if Henry wins the belt again, it's just, he is what he was when he left. And Cejudo could still be a bigger star, but we have to give him a fight. We could do Cejudo versus... Cheeto, this is the fight I've been talking about for a while. Or if you want to do something even crazier, it's not even that crazy. This is like what you should do. This is like a meritocratic idea. Just do O'Malley versus Cejudo. Clear-cut number one contender. There's an argument here. One person says Cejudo should get the fight. The next person says Sean O'Malley should get the fight. So let's just have him fight and see who wins. And then the winner gets Aljo. Aljo Cejudo is a terrible idea. I don't like it. The UFC is probably going to make it, and I just don't think it makes any sense. I don't, or I don't know. And it's funny how Aljo views it because there's a part of him who feels like they would book that fight because they think Cejudo could beat him and take the belt off of him. But that, I, I don't know. I, I just don't get it. All I've been saying this entire time is that I need, and everybody else needs to see, that not only is Henry Cejudo coming back, that he's serious about coming back. That he's not just going to walk into a title fight, potentially win, and then say, deuces, I'm out of here again. The UFC hates that shit. That's why we're in this position to begin with. So that's where we're at right now. And then Badil Darius, great win. Would have been nice for him to be a little more, 
little more fiery on the mic. And I know he's not a big trash talker, but you just just get on the mic and say, look, I won eight in a row. I just beat this murderer that you just threw at me. I should have been fighting for the belt to begin with. You gave me this killer, a high-risk, low-reward fight for me, if we're being honest, and I went in there and beat him. What else do I need to do to get a title shot? Instead, he says, I'll fight 10 more times. Come on, man. Come on. I'm not telling you to get out of your comfort zone, but I'm telling you to, like, at least give us something. Come on. You killed yourself with that one. You, you, you crushed yourself. UFC's going to be like, okay, fine. Here's Armand Sarukiad if he beats Demir Ismagulov. You said you were going to fight 10 more times. And even then, even after all that, I felt that Dariush's performance was great. And that, okay, I actually felt for a second that Dariush could be the dude. And then Habib took the microphone. Daniel Cormier asked him questions. And then Habib just puts over Volk, puts over the idea the number one lightweight in the world against the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. And by the time they get to that fight, it's going to be billed as who is the best pound for pound fighter on the planet. The UFC is going to run with that. And like I said, I'm in. And even if, even if Benil cut that great promo, he probably would have been out anyways, but at least don't throw it. I'll fight 10 dudes. I'll fight 10 more times before I fight for the title. You might just have to at this point. And it's unfortunate, but this is where we are right now. And these are just the beginnings of the storylines. Bilal Muhammad was phenomenal. What a win for him. Big win for Manon Fioro against Caitlin Chukagian. A lot happened at UFC 280. A lot happening this week. I have spoken enough. Let's bring you all in to talk all about it. Let's start with Four Corner Sports. Hello, Four Corner Sports. Hey, Mike. Um, I wanted to say I need to apologize to the one Bilal Muhammad. I know I came on the show last week and I said, Nobody wants to see that man fight for a title. If that man could replicate the same fighting style that he did against Sean Brady, I'm all in on watching his fights. Or even just like how AK would say mixing of the martial arts. Because he put a whooping on Sean Brady. And I wasn't expecting that whatsoever. I was expecting Sean Brady to utilize his wrestling. And he had no answers for the wrestling whatsoever. I, But, man, we got to give this guy some type of a coaching when it comes to on, on call-outs on the mic. Because... I legit was about to throw my phone across the field when he was about to call out Leon Edwards. I'm like, this guy needs to, you know, have either Mike Heck or Ariel teach him on how to call people out because he's not getting that type of fight. And if he, I think if he would have called out Hamza in the proper way instead of calling him the wolf or whatever he said, the 179.8 um, pound fighter, he possibly would have got it. But now I think he's still, you know... He's not going to get a fight until who knows when. I think I think uh, Dana has said something about Covington versus uh, Hamza. So who knows who this guy's going to end up fighting. I would have predicted Gilbert Burns, but this guy, what's it called, had a A-plus performance. Got to apologize to the man. Um, as for the Bantamweight division, man, screw TJ Dillashaw. Um, this man was injured. He, he screwed us over for the whole Jose Aldo uh, potential title fight against Aljamain Sterling. If he knew he was injured, he should have passed up on the uh, on the opportunity. I mean, it was an embarrassment that, you know, he got hurt and the performance. I mean, I was looking forward to the fight. I wanted to see, you know, if Aljo could have really, you know, held him down if he was healthy. But at this point, man, like I have no care for any any type of a TJ Dillashaw fight in the near future. The man could have honestly held up the division for quite some time. 
um, if he uh, didn't didn't get injured. So I don't know, man. I mean, as far as far as Aljo, Aljo versus Henry Cejudo, I really don't care for the fight. I want I'd rather see Sean O'Malley just strike with the irons high, or what's it called? Put uh, Sean O'Malley versus uh, Cheeto Vero. That's not something that all, all of us fans want to see. All right, thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with the pseudo thing. Like, I mean, it, it's probably going to happen. But again, this is on to say that it's targeted or it's in the works is just not true. Because for it to be in the works or it to be targeted, both sides have to say, I'm in. And all that needs to be done is to sign the contract. That hasn't happened yet. So this is like what the UFC wants. Maybe the UFC like presented this idea. And Ariel had gotten word of it, but it's not targeted. It's not in the works. Both guys have not agreed to this fight yet. Who knows? Maybe Suhudo will be like, I don't want to go to Perth. It's got to be Vegas or I'm not fighting. Like, who knows at this point? But if they do do that, I can see a world where they're just like, all right, we'll just do O'Malley Vera 2 number one contender fight. I still don't like the Suhudo idea. I think it's going to come back to bite him in the ass. But I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. And I don't know if, like, what Aljo is saying is true. I don't know if, like, there's some beef between the UFC and Aljo and they really want the belt taken off of him for some reason and maybe Cejudo is the guy, but come on, man. O'Malley's the bigger fight. We have all these dudes that are working their way up right now. O'Malley, Sandhagen, Vera, Song Yudong. Like, he's coming off of the loss, but you you have these guys on the way up right now. And then you have these other dudes, like, Jonathan Martinez and Chris Gutierrez and guys who just cannot even break into the top 50. Ricky Simone coming off a huge win. Like, these guys are never going to get a title shot. Ever. They're never going to get a title shot because of all this holdup right now. And you've been building this little Bantamweight Grand Prix slash tourney elimination rounds all year. All year you've been doing this. And what you're telling us now is that none of it mattered because Henry Cejudo is just going to walk into a title shot. It's insane. It's insane to me. Bilal, tremendous, tremendous performance. I don't want to like, I'm not going to completely dump on the mic skills because what Bilal did was he went to a stop sign. He could have gone left. He could have gone right. What he did was he went to the left and then he realized, oh shit, I'm going the wrong way. And he went in reverse and then went right. And then was like looking at his phone while he was driving. So he kind of veered off the lane a little bit, but at least he went the right way. I just wish he did it better. Hamza Chemaev, you son of a bitch. Let's fight. Now, who knows if that fight's going to happen? But if they cannot get Colby into this fight, Bilal's the guy. Like, I'm in for it. And if, and if Colby is in, we do Bilal versus Gilbert Burns. I'm cool with that as well. But I know there are – I can tell you this. It, don't go reporting this shit because it ain't – it's, again, kind of like the Cejudo thing. There are talks about doing Shemayev Colby. There are talks. Like, and there's, ac- there's actual conversations going on. To say that it's done or even near done is, it's, it's not true. But there are talks about this fight happening. Potentially in March, maybe on that March 4th card. But there, are, there is dialogue going on, at least, about trying to put that fight together. But again, it's not done. It's nowhere near done. All, there's just dialogue happening, okay? That's, that's what I'll say. That's what's going on right now. Nothing done. Don't go reporting. Don't go tagging me. Per Mike Huck Jr., this fight's happening in March. No, it's not happening. But there are just 
It is being talked about in the preliminary stages right now. All right. And if they can get, I think this fight could happen. I think this is a good chance it happens. But I don't know. We got to get everybody on board. There's a lot going on. What's up, Double A? You said Voldemort's name, Mike. Bloody hell. I know, man. I have to. He's in the news. I can't believe it. Can't believe Dana said his name. Yeah, Damn it. I know, I know. So I've got a few things. So I'll try and be as quick as I can. Um, first, um, I think we is it, I think we need to um sort of define what a robbery means because for me it's kind of confusing when um people disagree with the decision, but then people say if it's close, it's you know it's not a robbery. With with this one, people seemingly change their minds of some people after like a second viewing. For me, um, I didn't really completely change my mind. I did on how I scored the last round of this is Yard versus O'Malley. We're talking about here, just obviously. Um, I had Yard three nil lives, and then I changed it. I gave Sean the last round on a rewatch. Um, my second question is: How in the world did Mark Goddard? not do anything when TJ Dillashaw told him about his shoulder. Like, that is just so confusing to me that an official gets that information and just doesn't do anything about it. And um, my last question, um, John Jones, I know this whole story's played out, but he's come out and said he's still training for 282. So your thoughts on that? Everyone have a heck of a morning, man. Peace. Yeah, the the robbery thing is tough. Um AK wrote up the robbery review, says it's not a robbery. And guess what? I agree with my best friend. It's not a robbery. It's not a robbery. Want to know why? Because when you have conversations about specific rights, let me, there's one specific line in AK's robbery review, and I'm paraphrasing right now. Um, There's something like, if if we need to go to the secondary criteria, doesn't that mean it can't be a robbery? Like, I, I think that's like so true. Like if we're talking about secondary criteria, it almost takes robbery off the table. Not a hundred percent of the time, most of the time. And then he reposted in a fight. That's actual, an actual robbery. The Diego Sanchez versus Ross Pearson fight. UFC Albuquerque. This was God, this is a while ago. This was, let me pull it up. This was June 7th, 2014, and Diego Sanchez won a split decision. But it, is, it was just horrible. This was, this was like the robbery of all robberies. So if you, if you want to go see what a robbery actually is, go back and watch that fight from June of 2014. Go watch it. That's a robbery. Where you come out of it and you're like, this dude, Ross Pearson clearly unequivocally beat Diego Sanchez. He won. He won. There's no doubt about it. And then, boom, split decision for Diego. Made no sense. Home cooking to its, to its finest. That's what that fight was. That's a robbery. That's like, what the hell are we doing here? This, that's three people who should never judge. That's people who should never, two people should never judge a fight again after that. That's what kind of robbery that was. So I get where you're coming from. I know there's like an area that like close fights can't be robberies, but let's just say Alexa Grasso versus Viviani Arujo. Like that was a close fight. That was a close, it was a close competitive fight. 
But we all came out of that feeling very confident that Alexa Grasso won that fight. Now, if Viviani Araujo got the split decision, I think you have a case for robbery. I think you would have a strong case for robbery. Because I don't think anybody scored that fight for Araujo. I don't think anybody did. Like, no one, even, even like Araujo's friends and family, even were like, yeah, she kind of, she probably lost that fight. That would have been a robbery. This one, again, you can have conversations about the first round and the third round. The second round was the only clear cut round of the fight. Piotr Jan won the second round, no doubt about it. But the other ones, they're up in the air. There's conversations to be had. It's worth a second look, maybe a third. So that's why I don't think it's, it, it's a robbery. But Sanchez Pearson is a frigging robbery. That's a robbery. But that's where we're at right now. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go to Tristan. Hello, Tristan. Hey, Mike, can you hear me? I can hear yeah. you. Um, so in regards of, uh, let's talk about Benio Darius not doing his call out. Like I said on the post-fight show, it is what it is. It's just, he's just not, he's just not going to do it. I mean, he's going to, you know, he's looking at it from, uh, the UFC's perspective, he does, you know, like you say, he's not going to be backing for fights. He's just going to fight the people that are in front of him. I know um, Jed Mashu was very passionate about it. I didn't like his tone of what he had to say about Benio on the post-fight show. I like your idea better. Like, if you're going to call him out, do it in a very respectful, you know, he'll do it in a respectful way. I'm cool with that and everything. But, you know, Jed is, you know, it is what it is. Jed's going to say what he wants to say. I understand it, but I just didn't like the tone. But, you know, hopefully, I mean, I'm leaning towards the side that he'll he'll get his day. He'll get his day to contend for a title for the lightweight. Because, um, you know, uh, Islam did say that um, after his fight against um, Volkanovski, obviously he wins. Then he's going to give Benio a title shot because of the fact that he's on, like, eight-five win streak right now. Possibly it could be uh, a nine-win streak if he fights before then. Um, this is in regards to Benio Darius. So, you know, it is what it is on that. Um, my other point, I wanted to um, talk about what um, uh, Shaheen Al-Shadi had said about uh, with his tweet when he said um, that Islam is a, you know, people are saying that Islam is a very boring fighter. And I was, I was pretty 
surprised about to hear like people were actually saying this. I was stunned. Is it what? I mean, is it just? Do you think it was mostly casuals that's saying it? Because I I, like I can't see hardcore MMA fans saying this at all. So do you do you think that was just coming from a place from the casuals, like not really understanding the sport and not really watching Islam how he fights? I mean, he's like has multiple finishes and. It's not like he's laying and prying on his opponents when he's taking them down with his grappling skills. He's actually, like, really, like, ground and pounding and then submitting them. So I I just find that wholly weird. I mean, I find that really weird and everything. And I just just want to understand, you know, you you think it's just a casual mindset. It's just coming from the casual fans that really don't know enough about the sport and really is not watching these fights and just – into, you know, they're just saying, well, I like this fighter or that fighter or whatever the case may be. He's boring. He's not. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand that point. So, and, um, and then my, my last point with, with Cipe, John Jones, and Francis, I mean, like I was saying to you before, when we were messing with each other, I was like, can't wait three more months. You literally can't wait three more months where you can get some extra time, John. Like, I mean, and like you said, like, Steve A may take it, may not. Who knows? Um, but right now, I'm, I'm assuming UFC is renegotiating with um, uh, Francis Ngano on his contract, and you know John and John and Francis can just fight in March. So, I mean, because like you said, if John if John Jones loses to Steve A, it messes everything up. Like now, it's like oh my god. Instead of John Jones and Francis Ngano fighting for the title next year, you might you're gonna have Stipe and Francis Ngano again to, for the rematch. I mean, does anybody want to see that? So I'm not really sure about that. Just want to hear your thoughts about everything, Mike. Have a heck of a morning. Thanks. Thanks, man. So yeah, the the, the Benil thing. My way was like. Hey, Habib's always been a man of his word. He retired, said he's done. He's never coming back. He's a man of his word. Islam, you mentioned my name. You said my name. You said I deserve it. Habib's a man of his word. Are you a man of yours? And I believe you are. Give me the fight. That's it. It's not you're a piece of shit. I hate you. I want to punch you in the face. It's a respectful call out, yet you're calling him on something that he said already. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not against who he is as a person. It's a very respectful call out. And I, have, I would have no issue with that. He should have done something like that. He certainly shouldn't have said, I'll fight 10 more times. That was just bad. That just wasn't good. Um, the the boring, this on boring thing is just insane. Now, if you're comparing Islam to Charles and like what Charles did heading into that fight, I mean, it's it's still he's still not boring. He's just Charles Oliveira is a unicorn when it comes to that run that he was on in, in terms of excitement and pure and utter chaos. And I think maybe the other part is as well is that people spent 75 bucks. They were hyped up for this very interesting, wildly competitive fight. And Islam just whooped his ass the entire time. Like Islam just dominated him. Like Oliveira did nothing in that fight, did absolutely nothing. He landed 19 significant strikes, which by the way, I don't know if that's true or not. And anything he landed significant was off of his back. It was either... He landed elbows in the guard or he landed that up kick in that fight. Like other than that, he did nothing. He was stifled the entire time. So maybe it's that sort of like Mike Tyson 
thing where it's like we were expecting a fight to last more than eight minutes and it wasn't competitive at all. So maybe it just kind of left a bad taste in people's mouths in that way. But I don't know. But anyone who seriously says Islam is a boring fighter is just incredibly wrong. It's just not true. This guy's looking for finishes all the time. And he's on an incredible finishing streak right now. Sometimes it's not as aesthetically pleasing as what Charles Oliveira is doing, where he's getting dropped, getting back up, getting dropped again, getting back up, and then finishing the fight. Islam, you just can't hit this guy. He's so defensively sound. And it's not boring. It's just dominant. It's just dominant. Sometimes dominance is boring. The Yankees in the 90s, people thought they were super boring because they kept winning every year. When the Patriots kept running off Super Bowls, they were boring because they kept winning every year. When the San Antonio Spurs were doing their thing and winning a bunch of championships in the like late 90s, early 2000s, they were boring. Dominance is boring in a lot of people's minds because you're expecting a different result. You're hoping potentially for a different result, and it didn't happen. So I don't know where that's all coming from. And then the John Jones thing, you guys probably saw by now, UFC officially issued a press release yesterday giving the ticket on sale date for UFC 282. And they said in, in, the, uh, in the press release, the main event is the rematch between Yuri Prohashka and Glover Teixeira. Does that mean that they still can't get John Jones in? Maybe. I doubt it. I doubt it. But who knows? Like This could have been a negotiation tactic on the UFC's part as well. Maybe just the mere mention of this, this being out in the universe, Steve catch, uh, Francis catches, catches wind of it and says, what are we doing here? If I'm ready to fight in March, why are we doing this? And maybe this was like, if you book, maybe Francis is like, if you book this fight, I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm leaving. And the UFC is like, ah, this is exactly what we wanted. Now we're going to get Francis to lock back in, and now we get the fight everybody wants. So I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I didn't like the matchup to begin with. Again, if you wanted to put John on the card, cool. But putting him against Stipe, I didn't like. I liked BC's idea a little bit better, like, pull Tai Tuivasa off the Pavlovich fight and just put him in there with John. Do a Derek Lewis fight. Like, do something like that. Like, I'm fine. Still getting John on the card. Maybe Derek catches him or, or something, even though he's got a couple of losses. Like, it's something. Like, if you just want John to fight, just give him a fight. But it just doesn't have to be Stipe. It doesn't need to be, like, an interim title fight. It doesn't need to be anything like that. If you just want to get John some reps, give him somebody. Give him, give him a guy not rep. I don't care. But the steep idea was just way too risky. And part of me is glad that, it, at least for the time being, that that's not going to happen. And I just don't know if Stipe is even interested in fighting at this point. I don't, I don't know. I think Jones and, and Ganu would be like the only two he would come back for. He's not fighting Curtis Blades. He's not fighting Aspinall. He's not fighting any of those dudes. Those are the two guys he would come back and fight. And even then, it's going to have to take something astronomical to do it because the dude's happy with his life. He's made a lot of money in his career. His relationship with the UFC has not been the greatest. He's widely considered the greatest heavyweight of all time in a lot of people's eyes because of the run he was on and the title defenses that he had. He's a full-time firefighter, which is his first love. Fighting was not his first love. He's got the family, two kids now. The dude's living life. He's happy. So he doesn't need to fight anymore. And if he fights, cool. But it's going to be against one of those two guys. So we're on to the next one, listeners. If you start making matches for Stipe, that's not John Jones or Francis Ngannou. It's officially doo-doo. It's officially doo-doo. Let's go to Viking because he was next in line. And then we're just going to. We're going to run the gauntlet here. We're going to run the gambit after this with everybody waiting. All right.
We're going to get to everybody. Hi, Viking. I'm good. Uh, I've been waiting for uh, four days to tell you that the post-fight beat show, UFC 280 show, was phenomenal and it's amazing. And Ted Mishu is so legit, man. That guy is another level. That guy is on another level. And except the Dagestani talk, but... Still, that guy is a legit, and that show was one of the best show of the post MMA fighting YouTube channel. Absolutely great and amazing show that was. What a show, man! And and the things I would like to talk about UFC 280 was is uh, Charles Oliveira has no chin, and Islam Magajev. That man's game plan. That man's team's game plan was phenomenal. They studied Charles Oliveira, beat him in, beat him in his own game. That's it. That was the perfect game plan to execute. And they had uh, Aljamain Sterling. Sorry about the crackers. Aljamain Sterling. UFC just want to f him. Absolutely, that's correct. And Benil Darius is the biggest nobody in the UFC right now at the moment. He's a no show. He's nobody. He's not gonna get his title shot. Maybe even after fighting three or four times. That's it. Bilal Muhammad. If he follows the game plan, if he make a good game plan, he is a. He can at least be the contender, number one contender, or the title challenger. Sean O'Malley. No more. Tra- no more bad or trash talk about him. He's he's a great fighter. He he can he can dance with all the tough tough fight. UFC fighters, UFC bantams, then Manon Fierro. Manon Fierro is not at the level of Valentina Shevchenko. That's that's another thing. So that's it. I have no question for today because. Um, okay, thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah, a, a lot to unpack there. I. You could see like, and I went back and watched the the main event again. You could see how uncomfortable Oliveira was immediately, because because Makachev went in there and hit him like three or four times, like right out the gate, and you could see it in Oliveira's eyes, like, "Uh oh, I didn't expect this, I didn't expect this," and then he was he was just kind of done from there, because Oliveira, I don't think Oliveira expected the pop that he had, and to come out the way that he did on fire, landing like a multi shot combination like that, getting Charles's attention getting him on his back heels a little bit. That was really smart. That was really smart. That was, it was an incredible game plan. Aljo, I mean, maybe. Aljo kind of agrees with you on, on that whole situation. I don't agree with the Benil Darius that he's a nobody. He just, it's just not who he is. Like, he, he can get there. If he, fights, if he fights Charles Oliveira next and wins, you have to give him a title shot. He can come out and say, I'll fight 100 guys. But at that point, he's getting the winner of Volkanovski and... In Islam, if he beats Charles Oliveira, it's it's undeniable. Gamrot, I mean, Gamrot's a great win. I've said this a million times. I still thought Sarukian beat Gamrot in that fight, but I'm not going to argue with you. It was certainly not a robbery. It was one of the is my it is my favorite fight of the year. Is it going to win awards for being the best fight of the year? No, but it is my favorite fight of the year. The Sarukian Gamrot fight. It's so good. It's incredible. That's why I've watched it. 27 times this year it's just amazing like when i'm running when i'm running on the treadmill and things are getting tough 
I pull that fight back up and I run for another 25 minutes plus because of that friggin' fight. It's nuts. Such a good fight. So I don't agree with you on that end. Um, and Bilal, I think, listen, Bilal, talk about stocks rising. No one stock rose more than Bilal's Mah- Bilal Muhammad's on Saturday, even including Sean O'Malley. Like Sean O'Malley is going to reap the benefits of this all because he jumps up in everybody's rankings and all that stuff. He's in the title contention. He's in the conversation to fight for the belt. Sure. But at least when this, when this fight with Jan was, was booked, and even the betting lines indicated this as well, people thought Sean had a chance to win. It was a very intriguing, stylistic matchup. Nobody was picking Bilal to beat Sean Brady. I mean, nobody. And Bilal shut everybody up. Not only did he do that, he finished him, and he did it in the place he did it where everyone went bananas for him. And he looked like a star, and they treated him like a star over there. It's a massive win for him. He's a serious – now everyone's taking him seriously. Now it's big fights. There's no more fighting backwards. There's no more Sean Brady's in his future. It's Hamzat, Gilbert Burns, and the title. That's it. That's his future right now. And he needs to go all in on this Shemaev thing because if they can't get Shemaev-Colby together – he needs to jump on that fight because that's his chance. Every fight, he's he's the Ric Flair of the welterweight division. He's in the mix until he's not. Once he loses, he's out of the mix. There's no coming back. It's like Leon. Leon lost to Usman. He's not, he was never getting another title shot. And Bilal is in that same kind of position right now where he's got to win everything. He loses once, he's done. His title hopes are over. And maybe that's not fair, but that's just the way that it is. It's just the way that it is. So massive performance. He did exactly what he needed to do and more. And I got to tell you, I still think Hamza beats him. But I think, I think it's an interesting fight. I think it's an interesting fight. Let's go to sloppy.core. Sloppy, are you there? You just got to unmute yourself. Uh, don't hear you, Sloppy. Jump back in. Let's go to Toke. Toke. Yes, I can. How are you? I, I think uh, Alex Kaylee gave this a, what, 9.6 on the gymnastics scale, and it probably landed on a flat five. And it, it's kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's it's two non-competitive uh, championship matches. One that shouldn't have happened, and then Islam, you know, doing the Islam thing. And from there, we get you know, we get the two main guys that uh, came out of this event uh, and were impressive, been uh, like really impressive. You know, Sean O'Malley. That fight was great. That That is going to count upwards. So fine, maybe five is a little low. But if we talk about Bilal, we talk about Benil, talk about Fioro, these were supposed to be someone in the championship contention if they won. Not exactly Bilal, but he at, at least had a shot to actually get a decent fight after this. He bottled it. We both know it. We need to start a school where we actually teach these guys mic work because this is horrible. Not mentioning Kamsad's name is horrible. Nothing short of horrible. 
And then we get, oh, it, it's just so frustrating. And Manon Furo didn't do enough. She wasn't, con- uh, she wasn't, he didn't, she didn't do enough to really set herself up for a title shot. So now we're in this weird position where we had all these great fights and the result of it is all a bit nothing. Like it, it's kind of, it's kind of frustrating because I was really looking forward to this and I just feel like we got, we didn't get any of the things we wanted. What I will say though, is I scored the match for Sean O'Malley, by the way, Uh, just if you're keeping score among your, among your followers, but that's my two cents. Good day, sir. Thank you, sir. So, I mean, you scoring the ball for O'Malley. I don't, I mean, I can't, I mean, I can maybe make a case, but I'm not mad at that. It's not terribly wrong. It's not a bad take. It's nothing. It's it's nothing. Um, that's that's fine. The five I, I have an issue with. Look, this card, this card was like the Halloween ends of cards where we were like so excited for it. We're waiting a year. It seemed like, we're, we're, we're the build to this card took months and months and the excitement levels continued to rise and rise. And then you just, you go in there and you want it to be great. You want it to be great. You want it to be AK's 9.6. You just, you're, you're hoping for it. And then it doesn't happen. And you're like, Oh, now I can't, maybe Halloween ends is not the best comparison because most people who saw Halloween ends thought it was the biggest piece of shit of all time. I, I, eh. I'm kind of in agreement of that. It wasn't great, but I just think that the expectations of this car were just so impossible to reach in, in a lot of ways. And five is wrong. 9.6 is, would be too high. Definitely didn't reach that, but listen, we're going to be talking about the fallout of this card for the next three days. We're going to be talking about the fallout of this card more than Cater Allen, more than Anderson Silva, Jake Paul, on this show for the next three days. So in a weird way, successful. I understand where you're coming from. We wanted to see a more competitive main event. We didn't think TJ Dillashaw basically had one arm. Although I still believe after seeing the size of Sterling and seeing Sterling land some shots early that maybe that fight doesn't go a hell of a lot differently. I mean, TJ is able to defend himself a little bit more, but I mean, Benil was great. Great performance. And it sucks. Like, even if Benil, even if Benil cut a Nate Diaz promo at the end of the day, and we give him crap for saying it was it wasn't the post fight itself, it was him saying, I'll fight 10 more guys. If he said anything else, if I have to fight one more time, fine, I'll fight one more time. Like, still we would have hoped for more, but the 10, I'll fight 10 more times, just not good. But even if he said, even if he came out like Nate Diaz and just went full heel on Islam and said he sucks at fighting and Charles Oliveira is not good. He's a lucky bastard and all this stuff. Like, even if he said all these things, he still wouldn't have got the title fight because of what happened at the end. Cause Habib took the bike, set the table. Islam drove the point home. Volkanovsky got into the cage. They had the face off. Benil wasn't getting the shot anyways. So I get where you come from, man. And, Manon didn't earn herself a title fight. And you know what? It all kind of works out because now we'll just do Alexa Grasso versus Manon Fioro. We'll let Shevchenko sort of figure out her next move, whether it's 
the rematch of Tyler Santos. Maybe she goes up to 135 and fights Amanda Nunes. Who the hell knows at this point? But yeah, it wasn't a five because we're still we're going to be talking about this one for a week, so it can't be a five. I think it's in the eights. I think it's in the eights, but I also think the expectations for this card were impossible to reach in a lot of ways. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Do we have you sloppy? Yes, you do. I knew I was going to get called right when I was lo- losing service. Uh, heck of a morning, Mike. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, there's just three things that I was thinking about. Um, I don't understand why Cejudo would get a title shot right away. And, you know, John Jones is already talking about fighting Stipe first. If anyone like would deserve a title shot right away coming back, in my opinion, it's Jones hands down. Um, and then a few other things I was thinking of. I saw, um, I'm, I'm not too opposed with, you know, O'Malley winning, you know, it's dicey. I would still say Jan, but, you know, I was curious to see what your thoughts on him going up to, you know, number one ranked contender. I feel like that's still just a little high for him. Um, uh, we lost you sloppy, but I think I got the, the, the grasp of it all. Him going up to number one. He didn't go up to number one on ours. We had him at three, maybe two. Let me pull him up. I have. I actually have him right in front of me. The new, brand new MMA Fighting Global Rankings divisionals are live. Sean O'Malley tied for second. Actually tied for first. Well, I mean, Sterling's number one. He's tied for second with Piotr Jan. So they didn't jump Jan. He's just tied with him. And I think that's pretty damn fair. And then you got Sanhagen, Marab, and, and Marlon. I have Marlon ranked. We have Marlon at six. I have Marlon ranked higher than six. I think I have him at three. I think that's how I had it. Maybe two. I don't know. I think it was Sterling O'Malley, Farah is how I had it. But you can mix and match whatever you want to do. But, yeah, I'm not stunned that he went to number one in the UFC rankings. This is what the UFC wants. This is exactly what they want. They want us to have conversations about it. But the Cejudo thing is just so silly, and it makes no sense. It's not like Cejudo was like this giant star when he left. It's it just wasn't. It's not like he's not Connor. He's not even Jones. Like Jones is never like a giant pay per view draw. But Cejudo was never a pay per view draw, like ever, ever. Did he help make flyweight a more interesting division and get more eyeballs on it? Yeah. But you can make a stronger case that the man who really put the division on the map was Davis and Figueredo because he's just bolting dudes left and right. So Hudo put the ball in the tee for him, no doubt about it. But Figueredo just crushed it. 
every single time. So the, the Bantamweight division moved on without Cejudo literally the night after he retired. Like that night, they moved on without him. And then we got Jan versus Aldo, which was a great fight. And then we had everything that came after that. Like the division has moved on without Henry Cejudo. So I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. I really don't understand it. And I, and I think they should do the O'Malley fight. The O'Malley fight is bigger. The O'Malley fight right now is bigger than the Cejudo fight. But if Cejudo comes out and fights anybody and wins, maybe it's not anymore. It's the fact is no one believes Cejudo's fighting anybody. We need to see if he's serious. That's why I've been saying the whole time, fight somebody else. Fight Marlon. You can beat Marlon. You can beat him. I would favor Cejudo to win that fight. But Marlon could win too. And that's a good fight. Like, that's a good fight. But alas, here we are. And we're probably going to get Sterling Cejudo. And I'm just... Just going to have to deal with it, I guess. It's like the UFC, like, listen to this show and they're like, Mike Heck's bald head looks too similar to Dana's, so we're going to go against everything he says. I just don't I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. And I just want to say this for the 500th time. I am not, I am not taking away from what Zahudo has done. The guy's a great fighter. His resume speaks for itself. I have nothing against the resume. I have a problem with him leaving the company high and dry, saying he's done, holding out for Connor money, and then just thinks he can slide back into a title fight when this entire division has busted their ass to get to where they're at right now. And he just gets to slide on in doing nothing and getting a title shot. All he's done is like tease returns. And just because he goes back into the USADA pool, he gets a title fight. Like, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. I think AK wants to respond, by the way. Hello, AK. Hello, Mike. Can you hear me? Yeah. Mike, you getting some funny acoustics. Uh, there's no video component to uh, Twitter spaces, is there? No. Okay, good. Because uh, I don't want to get us demonetized or in trouble. I'm fresh out the shower. You mean, oh, you boy. Me? Yeah, sorry. I don't want to get people too excited on a, on a Wednesday morning. Uh, I've got one towel wrapped around my body, covering up my nips. I got one sedu- <laughs> seductively wrapped around my hair. So I apologize to everyone, but I had to. I was listening to this show while while uh, while cleansing, as I often do, <laughs> and I had to chime in because. And I'm sorry, I joined halfway. I joined the wonderful program halfway. But I had to chime in because uh, the 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 AK gymnastic scoring system is being misunderstood and, and misinterpreted. I I, I can't remember. Uh, it was two callers earlier. Uh, I know a regular caller. Oh, thank you. As always, uh, my guy for chiming in. Uh, saying I gave it a 9.6. My, pre, my pre-fight my score was actually like 10.0. I said, like, this could be one of the greatest cards of all time if everything hits. Now, again, to put it in gymnastics contest, uh, context, excuse me, and a surprise, again, that people are kind of getting confused about this, given that I assume there's like a 100% crossover between hardcore MMA fans and, you know, gymnastics fans. It's like a Venn, like the Venn diagram, I would think would just be one full complete circle. But I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about that. I I thought uh, MMA fans love gymnastics. Gymnastics has like a degree of difficulty element. And that's what I'm talking about here is beforehand, there's, there's a potential, there's a potential score 
in gymnastics before the a move is attempted. So that's what I, when I do a pre-fight show, that's what I'm talking about. I said, the, <clears throat> the potential score for UFC 280 is, is, is 10.0. And that's if, again, we get five main card bangers, um, eventful results, new contenders, you know, three or four highlight reel finishes in the prelims. Um, so I said, I said, like, even I said, like, oh, well, even if it, everything doesn't go perfectly, it could end up a 9.5, 9.6. That's probably where that comment came from. Uh, my my actual post-fight score, after the way it unfolded, I'm kind of with what you said, Mike, maybe an 8.0. I could see people going lower. There was an element of disappointment, especially with the prelims, which were mostly forgettable, except for Bilal, um, you know, Bilal closing the show with Sean Brady, which really should have been main card fight anyway. Uh, the rest of the prelims, fine. Some people had, like, okay performances. I don't know if anyone will be re-watching any of those fights or talking about any of those fights, other than um, sort of a very educational uh, performance by Makaya. We learned a lot about him, but entertainment-wise, I get it, lacking. So so I just wanted to clarify that. Uh, I, I agree the card was kind of a letdown, um, but it shouldn't be just because you didn't get what you wanted. Like, I, I had picked Oliveira, I had picked uh, Piotr Jan, and I was pleasantly surprised by Sean O'Malley doing so well. I was pleasantly surprised, mostly pleasantly, by Islam just running through Charles. I mean, how can you not respect that kind of domination? So, so I agree. Definitely not a 10.0. I still stand by that it could have been. It had the potential to be one of the best cards of the year, one of the best cards of all time, if everything played out. Obviously, it didn't. But I felt, again, just based on, again, Islam, uh, uh, Darius Gamrat was a great fight. I love Jan O'Malley. I think that's one of the 10 best fights of the year. Uh, maybe not top five, but I think top 10 for sure. I will see if it sneaks in the top five at the end. It's, there's been a lot of great fights this year. Um, but, yeah, so maybe I've settled on an 8.0, 7.8. It, you know what? It landed. It didn't. I don't feel it. It nailed the trick accurately in the end. Like, and maybe maybe it needed a little more sauce on that rotation coming off the pommel horse or whatever. But at least it landed. I didn't think it fell, uh, and, uh, and 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 it landed really well. The landing was very graceful, and and you know sets up hopefully a great, an amazing fight with Islam and uh, Volkanovski or whoever Islam, whoever's next for Islam. So there you go. I just wanted to defend myself and the and the world of uh, gymnastics scoring. There you go, my best friends. There's your clarification for the gymnastics score. So now on the pre-fight show, preview shows, when he lays out the score, he's just setting a benchmark, and let's see if he could reach it. If it all goes perfectly well, it'll hit this, and maybe we'll get his post-gymnastics score in the end as well. Uh, we'll keep the strain going. We'll go for probably another 25, 30 minutes maybe, because there's a lot of you. Ahead, Welcome. Yes. Okay, Mike. So, firstly, first question is with the Hamza Colby thing because I was so annoyed coming off the back end of 280 Fight Week because of that interview with Dana White and Oscar Willis, and it was Dana was joking. Dana was joking about making that fight uh, as the co-main event in London, and people, all these MMA pages started reposting it, and but now there's fresh rumors, and Chimaev's team said they've. Come out, and I know you've mentioned it. So, how close is that to being done? Before I get on to my other points, not very. But we're at we're at the hey, we have this idea about this fight on this date, and that's literally where we're at right now. And I I know that all I could say from sources is that it is being talked about. Like we're literally at the beginning state. Like if this is a marathon, the gun just went off, and we're like five steps into the race. Okay, 
Fair enough. So, like, here's the thing with the other. I'm disagree with most of what everyone said. So, with T, with the TJ Dillashaw thing, I'm not that annoyed at him. Like, because he got his ass, he got whooped. He paid the price for lying um, about that injury. So it doesn't matter. But I and like Mike, you're mad about Henry. But I think it's a great fight. I think it's great. Like, as in Henry, I think he's a bit entertaining. He's funny and. Honestly, he beat Aljamain Sterling, even if he was at 70%. I really believe it. The wrestling's too good. But I know what's going to make you mad, Mike, because if Henry wins and whatever happens with Alexander Volkanovsky, Henry's not only going to skip bantamweights, he's going to skip the featherweights. And, and it's going to be hilarious that he will jump the queue and he will fight Volkanovsky, whether Alex wins or loses. Now, the last point is about Jan O'Malley. I am so... like. Here's the thing. I scored it for Jan and I don't mind like the judge. It's not a robbery, but it's a petty theft and it's still stealing the victory from Jan. And I'm not mad at the judges because they made a decision in the heat of the moment. I'm mad at the people interpreting the rules, the unified rules, like keep on saying damage is important. Damage is important. Like a parrot. Listen, Damage is important, yeah, but it's also it's effective striking and effective grappling. And in that third round, for me, that was the decider, right? Sean got Yarn with a knee, but Yarn got Sean with multiple counters as well. So that's kind of in the back mirror. So then you have to look at other stuff like the takedowns. And if you're going to be so, for people going to be so narrow-minded, like they just say, oh, but there wasn't any striking done on the guy. You're, you're that's ridiculous because then why are you watching MMA? Go over to one championship and go watch Muay Thai if you don't want to even value grappling, where even if it's grappling transitions, even if it wasn't a submission attempt, like you, you won't value it and you won't like uh, attribute it to the scores. It's crazy. And Bilal, uh, I'm not, I'm still not that high on him. I think he, yeah, he performed well, but I, I don't think he's elite of the elite. Like Shavkat beats him, Colby, Usman, Leon, they, uh, Gilbert, they beat him. Uh, Benil, lastly, Benil versus the winner of uh, Chandler and Poirier to guarantee the title shot. Drop the mic, Mike. All right. I mean, this is this is what I expected from a head. It's what I always expect from a head. Uh, good takes. I like them. Here's the one thing, because we addressed a lot of this stuff already, so let me just add to the Cejudo thing. I'm not against the, like, I'm not against the matchup. Like, I am, like, I am intrigued with the matchup from a stylistic perspective. That is an interesting fight. No doubt about it. The problem is, the, the, the issue I have is not the matchup. The issue is the timing of the matchup and the fact that we have spent a year building up this division, these huge fights that have happened, these big main events, were for nothing. They were for nothing. All of it was for nothing if Henry Cejudo just slides into a title fight. Doing nothing. He left you. He screwed everybody over. I'm done. UFC's investing in this guy, trying to build him up. He was on his way. And then he said, nope, worst retirement in the history of combat sports. And then he just all of a sudden is like, oh, I want to come back because Volkanovsky needs an opponent for that Jacksonville card because Max Holloway's hurt. Then he says he wants to come back. Zombie gets the fight. Then Holloway match. And Volk puts on two of the all-time great title defenses. And now he wants to come back and he's going to hold the UFC up. And then now all of a sudden, 
after Dana has dumped on this guy for two years, all of a sudden he's in their good graces? Why? What did he do? What has he done? What has he done to earn this? When you have Marlon Vera and you have all these other guys, Sean O'Malley, whatever, all these guys have been working their asses off trying to earn this spot. And then Tahuta just slides in, doing nothing? It's... It'd be one thing if everybody was clamoring for it. If everyone's like, oh, we need Suhudo back. This division needs him. No one is saying that. No one is saying that. If Suhudo never fought again, would, any, like, would anybody be up in arms? No. No one would be. He's a tremendous fighter. And if he just fights anybody, like, I don't care who he fights. Anybody, just show me you're serious. Show me you're not going to do this again. Show me you're not going to do it again. Because that's my fear. That's my biggest issue with all of this, is that he goes out there, beats Aljo, wins the belt, and then does the same thing. I'm leaving. I'm retired. I did what I, I told you I would do it, and I'm leaving. Or I'm not going to defend my title against Vera or O'Malley or whoever, because I'm just going to sit out and wait for, for Volkanovsky. What are we doing? Like, that's the fear I have with all of this, and that's why I'm so against this. Now, if you prove to me that you're serious and you're serious about making a run at this thing and being Triple C and all of that, then I'm in. Like, I'm into all of them. You got to show me something. You doing videos on YouTube and you tweeting shitting on all these fighters, it does nothing for me because guess what? You were doing that even when you were retired, when you weren't going to come back and fight. We're just doing the same thing. You're, all you're doing is just, taking piss tests now and doing the exact same thing prove to me you're serious and then i'm in prove to me you're serious i wish the ufc would like contractually just be like hey we'll give you this title fight but you can't retire you can't retire outside of a catastrophic injury you got to give us four fights if he signs that paper and guarantees four fights Outside of catastrophic injury, my opinion changes. But again, I don't think that happens. I think he's he could beat Aljo, and then he's going to hold up two divisions, and it sucks. But maybe I'm wrong, and I really, truly hope I am. Because Suhudo versus a lot of these guys is awesome from a stylistic perspective. I just have no faith he's going to come through. That's my fear. Show me something. Show me I'm wrong. Prove to me I'm wrong. Go fight Sean O'Malley. I'm cool with that. We're torn on this number one contender thing. Go fight Sean O'Malley. Go fight him in go fight him in Perth. I don't give a shit. I don't care where you do it. Go fight him in the next four, like four to five months. And then in the summer, you go fight Aljamain Sterling for the belt. I'm in. I'm fine with that. Just show me you want to actually do this. And then I'm then I'll then I'll be on board. But I just ain't. I ain't even buying the ticket. If you handed me the ticket, I'm not going on the train yet. I'm not. Let's go to Milo. Uh, hello, Mike. Hello, Milo. How are you? Good, how are yeah, you? Good. It's heck of a morning here. Um Thanks uh, for giving me the floor. You know, just a couple of thoughts. I think the biggest uh, talk uh, of the space is, is about the Aljo versus Henry. 
uh, kind of not making sense. Maybe I can help clarify it because, like, uh, I think uh, UFC's calculation here is that uh, Henry has a higher chance uh, of beating Aljo than O'Malley has. And then O'Malley has a better chance of beating Henry than he has with Aljo. And I think that's that's kind of what you have to look into when you're trying to really understand why UFC is, is putting up uh, this matchup. Um, because, yeah, uh, that's kind of like the thought on that. And then uh, another thing uh, for Bilal, right? Like Bilal, uh, Benil, uh, they're on this, um, what I call like a co- competitive trajectory, right? And what I mean by that is that when UFC making these matchups, right, they they go like they kind of like split the fighters into two baskets, right? Like one is like a stardom trajectory, right, and another is competitive, right? You can put Sean O'Malley in the stardom trajectory, whereas like guys like Benil, uh, guys like Bilal have to go through a very competitive matchups, right, uh, before they earn their opportunity, right? So right now. With Bilal racking up so many wins and Benil racking up so, so many wins, now it's time where they cross, you know, from a competitive um, stance into a you know, maybe a stardom, right? And they, to do that, they need a very good matchups with uh, more recognizable names, right? And so for Bilal right now, the best matchup that is possible in that sense is going to be against Gilbert Burns. Uh, for Benil, for that to happen and uh, for his stock to rise, it would have to be the winner of. Chandler versus Poria. Uh, and then what has to happen, you know, Charles has a really interesting role. Uh, like, he cleaned up the division, right, for Makhachev, which I think is interesting, right? Uh, Makhachev could have done it himself, but uh, I think that's his contribution. Another contribution that he can make is to help elevate uh, Rafael Fiziev. And I think what's next for him is, is that matchup versus Rafael Fiziev. So um, that's the thought, and maybe the final thought uh, about uh, uh, TJ. Uh, you know, TJ, in my uh, opinion, uh, was maybe the most overrated uh, uh, champion in the history of the UFC, because, uh, and, and just a fighter in general. Because if you look into his recent performances, uh, Corey Sanhagen uh, probably beat him. It was a close fight, but I think Corey beat him. Henry Cejudo stopped him. And before that, the only two wins that he had, like in the past, like five years, uh, were against Cody Gar- Garbrandt twice, who have learned is not only like no love, but also no chin, right? Like we have to be honest, right? Before then, Lineker losses, Rafael losses, uh, wins. They don't really add much to his legacy if he had one. So I think that's my thoughts. Hopefully, Benil gets their star matchup. Bilal gets the matchup. Fiziev fights. Um, um, files uh charles Oliveira. thank you yeah i mean a lot of good options for benil Oliveira is probably the one that gets him to a title quickest i mean if he goes out and gets poirier or chandler too that's fine to, to me it's just we got to get benil benil's got to be active so i i think it's going to be sort of a who's ready to go first kind of a thing because Poirier and Chandler are probably going to beat six shades of shit out of each other. And I just don't know if we see a world where these guys bounce back anytime soon after a fight like this. So who knows? Maybe it ends in two minutes. But I don't think it will. I think these two are just going to have a battle. But if Oliver is, like, ready to come back, if Oliver wants to fight on that Brazil card and Benil can go, I think it's Benil's best interest to just get right back in there and keep reminding people how good he is. The problem with Benil is he's just not active enough. Like he's not fighting enough. And 
you forget about how good he is until he actually fights. And then if it's another year, we sit there like, oh, this guy's won eight in a row, but we just hasn't fought enough. So if he can get right back in there and fight Charles Oliveira, that's huge. But again, that's what, three months away? You're asking a lot of both of these guys. Oliveira just got finished. He got dropped hard. Benil had a really grueling fight with Matush Gamrot. But hey, opportunity knocks. You got to answer. If you can do it physically, it's just kind of going to be who's going to be ready first. If Benil's ready for January and Oliveira's ready for January, that's, that's where you go. That's where you go, in my opinion. The Cejudo thing, your, your, your take is interesting. I'm not totally against it. Now, if, if, if they do something and Dan is like, look, I get it. Cejudo has been sort of untrustworthy. He screwed us. And I understand how you guys feel about that whole situation. But we've talked to Henry. He's convinced us that, that he's serious about all this, that he's not going to be a pain in the ass. We're going to do this fight, and Sean O'Malley gets the winner. Then, still not totally on board, but if we get some clarity in that situation, Sean gets the winner. Let's build it up that way. Plant the seeds. Okay. Like, still don't like the idea, but I'm not... I'm better with it. What I, but here's what I think is going to end up happening because Ariel's talked about, we talked about it here as well. If they book that fight, they're going to try their asses off to do Cheeto versus Sean O'Malley too, which is by the way, big, big fight. It's a big fight. You got to do it five rounds, whether it's a fight night main events or you throw it on a pay-per-view five rounds. It's a great fight. We're all going to be excited to see it. Cheeto's on a tear right now. What if Cheeto beats Sean? Then you're like, ah. Oh. Then Cheeto gets his title shot. That's great. But you didn't have the chance to strike on the biggest, like the biggest eyeball fight you can get in this division. Because it ain't Cejudo. It's Sean O'Malley right now. Everyone's talking about this fight. For good or for bad. Everyone's talking about Sean O'Malley right now. And Sean's playing this great. That tweet, that little simple tweet, rewatch the fight, I definitely won exactly what he should be doing it's exactly what he should be doing again it's not the matchup it's not like sterling cejudo in a vacuum is a great fight my fear is cejudo will win and then he'll try to stick it to everybody again i have trust issues with this man and dana white should too but again if we we bill it this way we do a little press conference a la WWF style, Sterling, Cejudo, O'Malley, Dana. These guys are going to fight. Sean is next. Marlon's going to fight this dude. Cool. But again, I just, I don't have faith that Cejudo is going to follow through. And that's my concern. My biggest concern with all of this, because why should we? Why should we have faith? He's given us no reason to have faith. Zeke, what's up, man? Mike, what's going on? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. How are you doing on uh, this heck of a Wednesday? Interesting start to uh, the heck of a week, I guess you could say. We don't usually start on Wednesdays. Yeah, we had to do a little shift. MAR shifted, so so did we. You know what? We adapt, we last, and we survive. We survive in advance. So let me get off here short and sweet. 
first things first for Henry Cejudo, let's just put this conversation to rest. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. I definitely can't put the blame on you. So Dana White, it's going to be your fault when Henry Cejudo wins the belt and runs away. I don't even want to continue to talk about this, man. Let's talk about Aljamain Sterling and the absolute bag fumbling that was in the octagon after taking care of TJ Pillishaw. How do you not talk about Sean O'Malley? I understand maybe you didn't think he won the fight. I don't care what you thought, Aljo. That check is so fat. That check is almost Conor McGregor-like. It's not Conor McGregor-like. Maybe if he goes and beats Vera again, then it definitely becomes Conor McGregor-like. However, you're not going to get that check if you call out Henry Cejudo. I don't know, Mike. I, I, I'm out of here. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh that was very george costanza-esque right there that's it for me see you later see here's the thing with aljo he didn't call it anybody he called out nobody he did the benil darius thing that marlin's there sugar whatever i'm not gonna say it he he mentioned sugar's name he mentioned cejudo whatever and then even like on the ma hour like you get the ch- you're on the biggest show in the world. You're on the biggest MMA show on the planet. And Ariel's setting you up. If you had a choice, who's it going to be? And he, he went with, I don't care. I don't care what they do. You have to care. I'm glad you have, like, money. He talked about, like, the you know, with everything he's doing, he's making money. And good for him. I'm happy. But isn't the name of the game to make more money? Because here's what I'm saying. Give Cejudo another fight. Go fight Sean. He probably beat Sean in a fight that's going to draw a ton of interest. More than the Cejudo will fight will right now. And then if Cejudo beats anybody and Aljo beats Sean, guess what fight's bigger? Then the Cejudo fight becomes bigger. You knocked off the guy who's ranked number one in your rankings. Cejudo proves to the world, that he actually gives a shit. And then you can line those two guys up. And it's a bigger fight. Now you get two big fights. You get two huge fights. But Aljo, man, come on. You should be all in on Sean O'Malley. This is prize fighting, baby. This is prize fighting. Stylistically, he's going to have a rough time with Henry Cejudo. If Cejudo is like even 90% of the guy who left. But he probably beats Sean O'Malley probably does so pretty definitively. And Sean's good. Sean will be competitive in that fight at certain points, but I think Aljo wins. And I think he should know that and should understand that as of right now, this is the fight that more people will be interested in right now. And you still have the chance to fight Zahudo down the line. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's all crazy. Let's go to West Till Death. What up, West? I hear nothing. Try again. Let's try Paradise. Paradise, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, buddy. How you doing? Good, my man. Good morning. Hey, so I got on here and rambling about Oliver as a different guy and Islam and, you know, he's not going to be able to deal. Yeah, I was wrong. But all I said on a tweet earlier was 
was Islam that dominant or is Oliveira, you know, maybe had a shit night off night, bad performance. I guess we're not going to find that one out because I don't see them ever seeing each other again. Um, Benil Dariush, God, if you ever just fought more, you got it spot on. Eljo, oh, this kid does himself zero favors with the mic. Spot on. I got to tell you, <clears throat> I do think that the whole Cejudo thing is to just try, try to get somebody that can beat Eljo because Dana White hates him. But I don't know why the hell you would like Zahudo either. You're dead spot on that, too. This whole division should be set up for just monster fights that are so natural right in front of them. I don't know. But all in all, my uh, my one question was uh, as far as, you know, everybody. I mean, I think they said that. I think they said that Vol- Volkanovski opened up as. I'm sorry, uh, Islam opened up against Volkanovski like minus 300, minus 400. I think that's ludicrous. I get it. He's a bigger guy, but Volkanovski's speed and what he's done and what he did to Max Holloway, I watched that live, man. That was disgusting. Um, What do you think Volk does against Islam if that fight actually happens? Have a good day, guys. Take care. Thanks, man. Um, I I don't think it's – I just want to start with the Oliveira thing. It's just – it's not that Oliver had a bad night. It's that Islam was just so good. Like, and this is, this is what I said the entire build. And I went into a live microphone and I picked Charles Oliver to win. But it was a, and I admitted every single time it was a vibes pick. It was I need to see somebody beat this dude. I need to see someone go into the tornado and come out of it. And once I see it, I'll believe that this man can lose because what this guy has done is an anomaly. It makes no sense. It defies logic. That entire run defies logic. But everything on paper told me that Islam Makachev would win. And he did. I mean, I don't think it was a bad night. This is a terrible, this is a really bad matchup for Charles. But Charles just invokes that chaos and can drag people into his world. And he wasn't able to get anything going. Like Islam just jumped on him on the feet, outstruck him. Then took him down, started wearing him out. Oliveira got back up. They had a clinch position that Oliveira was able to get some separation in. And then Islam just kept hitting him. And then Islam dropped him. Like, Islam beat him everywhere. This wasn't a bad night for Charles. This is Islam just being as good as he is. He's just so good. And Charles just couldn't do anything chaotic against him. It was, it was unbelievable. The game plan was incredible. They were two steps ahead of Charles. The whole time. So I don't buy into that theory. The Volk fight. I don't know. I think the line opened probably correctly because you have to understand what the, what the opening of the lines does. We're trying to get action on both sides. And I think that line's going to get action on both sides. I think like people like yourself who feel this line's closer, they're going to bet on Volk. And there are people who feel like this line should be wider based on that performance against Charles Oliveira. So they're going to, this is try to get action on both sides. And I think this line's perfect. Honestly, it's not how I feel. I feel like personally, if I were making my own personal betting line, Islam's minus 300 minus two, 290, something like that. But I definitely think Volk is interesting. A very interesting test. The quickness, the speed, you're going to have two incredible fight IQs getting after it. 
And that's just going to be so fun to watch. Two spectacular game plans going at one another. There's just so much to like about this fight. Let's go to Terrence. And go for like 10 more minutes. Terrence, hello. Okay. What's up? Um, So I like how you just talked about like um, what I was going to say earlier. Well, say anyways, was the fact that Oliveira lost and it's your fault because you said before you always bet against him. And now I think you jinxed him. So you owe all the fans an apology because now you bet for him and he lost. So it's all your fault. That's one thing. Um, The other thing I want to talk about is like the need for a clickbait. So I know like you get upset and fighters get upset when they talk about like quick bait, uh, quick bait and stuff like that. Um, I was looking at another article. I'm not going to name any MMA sites. So I'll just talk about Serena Williams. Um, she was talking about, uh, she's not done with tennis. She's going to be a coach and she's going to do other stuff with tennis and things like that. But the actual article is just titled, uh, Serena Williams says she's not done with tennis. So of course people who are like just going through, Twitter or Facebook or anything, they like see that headline and like, oh, I knew she wasn't retiring. But if you actually click on it, um, it says all that information. So that's why I said the need for quick take is there because in business, the call for action is always there as well. Like, hey, Serena Williams said that she's not done with tennis. Click to find out more and read the article or something like that. Um, So I know the difference between the two and I know that's not clickbait, but that's the reason why clickbait is needed. So you can say like, hey, I know your defense on like articles like with me, like, hey, did you actually click on it and see what it says? Like, I think it needs to be said because we live in a world where we have micro stuff and like people's attention spans isn't as long as they used to be. So with that being said, that should happen. Um, another thing that I want to talk about is Esther used to have a show that I love that a lot of people didn't watch but I think it should be brought back, which kind of goes along with that, where it's like micro, like where you get all the news of late within like 10 minutes or so. And like AK can like beat it up or even like Jed or somebody, or if it can be like a rotational type thing. Um, I think something like that needs to be brought back because that was fun and it was quick and people got their daily dose. Um, Just want to know your thoughts on those things. Thank you. Yeah, I remember the MMA fighting news show. Uh, I believe this is a, this is an MMA news show was what it was entitled. And I remember this is before I got to MMA fighting. It's probably like a year before, probably less than a year before when it, when it came out and people were reacting to it. And I saw like a lot of negativity towards it. And I actually liked it for a lot of the same reasons you did that even on my own outside, because I wasn't with MMA fighting. I like did a quick video on my own, like defending it. I was like, even if you don't like it, at least they're like trying something different. And that was like my whole defense was like, they're going outside of the box. Like they're doing something different. And I liked it. I liked it a lot. I will say that I've thought about that. Like, I don't know if I would do it the exact same way, but even just like a, like a podcast version of it. But again, it's so tough with the MMA news cycle because it changes all the time. And the one fear I have with putting out content is that we put out the content and then 10 minutes later, it doesn't mean shit because something happened that nullified the entire thing. We've had, 
We've had episodes of Heck of a Morning where we're talking about Bo Nichols' first UFC fight. Who should he fight? And then like 10 minutes later, we confirm he's fighting Jamie Pickett. And it's like, well, that was fun. We just talked for an hour and 10 minutes about this shit. And now it doesn't matter anymore because we have an opponent and the show, literally the shelf life lasts like an hour. That's like my fear, but I have no problem with it. And the clickbait thing, like, again, we still don't understand. Most people don't understand what clickbait is. Fighters especially don't understand what clickbait is. Perfect example. Like, Tim Elliott basically said in his post-fight interview after a win that he cheated. Like, he literally said he cheated. He grabbed the glove, admitted it, said he cheated. I spoke with him, like, two or three days later, and he doubled down on that, tripled down on it. It's like, listen, it's a win-show thing. I haven't fought in 18 months. If I have to grab a glove or grab a fence or poke an eye or kick in the balls, I'm going to do it. I got to take care of my family. So if I have to, it's a fight. Dude, Bitsy cheats. So we write a story with a quote from him talking about cheating. And like some of these other people are like, hey, Tim, look, they're still clickbaiting you after three days. It's not clickbait if he says it. Clickbait is... I'm trying to just throw out an example. Rihanna showed up at the Grammys last night. You'll never believe what she wore. That's clickbait. That's clickbait. Miley Cyrus said, what? That's clickbait. Because you're like, what did she say? You're forced to click on it. Most of our headlines tell you everything. Like we have quotes or like we tell you what the story is about in the headline. So like you don't even have to click on it. Now we hope you do to get more insight so you don't just read the headline and react to it. But that's what clickbait is. Clickbait is like you have to click to find anything out. And we don't do that. Some sites do. Some sites do. But I don't think we do. But that's the difference there. All right, some of you have been waiting for a while, but this has been an insane show. We got five minutes, so we're going to go rapid fire. I'll try to get to as many as I can. Yeah, yeah, you're up. Big Mike, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Good, good, doing? good. Uh, crazy to a UFC 280. Um, you know, and I, I couldn't just be more happy with how Aljo won, regardless of, you know, whatever feedback he got, um, just continuously, you know, proving the haters wrong. Um, now, in terms of Makachev versus Volkanovski, like, it's it's such a unique matchup just because I don't see much weaknesses in uh, Makachev's game, like, versus, like, Volkanovski. Like, what do you think stylistically would win each like like what would win them match you think appreciate you mike i mean volk volk's just got to keep the fight standing really like that that's that that's the biggest thing and he's got to use his quickness to the best of his ability because eventually islam's going to get his hands on him and then he's just going to put him on his ass just like habib like you can say all you want about habib but even when he wasn't the champion, it was once he gets his hands on you, you're going down. Like you're going for a ride. And Islam's the same way. He's going to wrap his arms around you and you're going down. I don't care who you are. So can Volk stay on the feet? He's going down eventually, but can he nullify Islam in any way? That's the big question. That's the big question. Sneak, you're up. Sneak, hello. Hey, how you doing, man? Thank you for giving me a platform. I'll be quick to allow other people to speak. Um, just real quick about Volk and Islam. Islam is going to destroy Volk. 
It's going to be a rear naked choke. He's going to destroy him with knees up the middle and on the side, just like Khabib mentioned. And it's going to be quick. Now, another thing about Islam. I think Islam is going to be a new, like, uh, John Jones, to be honest with you. I think that he's going to destroy everyone at lightweight, move up to um, welterweight. And at that time, I would think that Chimaya will be champion. And then from there, Chimaya will move up higher than that at middleweight. So I feel like they're, especially when Khabib and everybody got along and they spoke together recently, I feel like they have a plan for, you know, Islam to move up, take up, take the belt from whoever's champion there, or just take it as an interim when Chimaev moves up to middleweight. What do you think about that? It's interesting. Um, we got a long way to go till we get there. I will say this. I If Islam Makachev fought Leon Edwards right now, I'd pick Islam Makachev to win that fight. Let's go to Sivaram. Perhaps. Sivaram, hello. Uh, if I would rate the UFC 280, I would give a 5 out of 10. And how would you rate that? And uh, the main event and co-main event very disappointing. for uh, Except for uh, the Tajistani fighters fans. As a Chalice fan, I'm disappointed. Uh, but anyway, uh, my quick question to you is, Mike, uh, is Charles going to come back? If he's not going to come back, who will stop these Dajistani style fighters? Is it Dustin, Justin's or Chandler, uh, Charles, or is it Benil, uh, Benil, or who could be the fighter that going to stop these, you know, the wrestling, high wrestling skilled fighters? That's it, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah, God, I don't know. It's too soon to tell, man. Like, it's too soon to tell. Like, I think Islam could be the champion for years at this point. I don't think Charles is done. I think there's fights for him. I'd love to see him and Benny get after it. Yeah. I think Benil and Islam is an interesting fight. Like, I think it's a really interesting matchup. I think Volk's interesting. I think, it, like, I'm picking Islam to win, but I think Volk's an interesting matchup. You know what? It, it, a lot of people are going to agree with me, but from a stylistic perspective, you know what else is interesting? I think Michael Chandler is interesting. I would give Chandler a better chance to beat Islam than most. I, and again, I'm picking. I would pick Islam to win, but I think Chandler at least presents some problems from a wrestling standpoint. Like I don't think he's as good off. He's certainly not as good defensively as Islam. But Chandler does have wrestling, and he does have power. And it's, I don't know. I'd pick Islam against pretty much everybody right now, though. That's for sure. All right, we'll take three more because I have to go. Crypto. Crypto, hello. Hi, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. So a couple of things, Mike. I'll, I'll try to be quick. First of all, how did Moradov not get the performance of the night? How, how do you get warned 26 times during a fight and no single point was deducted? I think that performance definitely deserves a bonus. 26 times. And yes, Mike, I rewatched the fight and counted it. Like after uh, warning number six or seven, trying to basically pull out the eyes of, of Kayo. Uh, the referee told him uh, that no more warnings 
for you, uh, for you, young man. But evidently, there was an additional twenty warnings. No point, point deduction. Beautiful. Second thing, gangster move of the of the entire uh, event is definitely Benil Dariush uh, going on a rant about Jesus in in Abu Dhabi. That, I mean, that that was beautiful. Um, but I'm not going to defend him anymore. I have to say that I'm tired uh, of this, Mike, because. If he wants to have 10 additional fights, do it. Like, if, if that's your game plan, if you think that you need 10 more fights before standing up for yourself, this is this is exactly what I was talking about, Mike, last week, when I said that he needs to grow a pair of balls and st- start to basically to, to speak for himself. Um, how can you beat Gamrot and and just go on a rant about, about Jesus? Uh, I don't know. It's just crazy. Third and final thing, Mike, is that and you're going to butcher me for this, but I, I, I truly don't like the, the Makachev-Volkanovsky matchup. Did you see the height difference inside the octagon between him and Makachev? And, and keep in mind, Volkanovsky was wearing shoes, <laughs> okay? So basically, I mean, you know what's, uh, what would be a worse idea, Mike, than to find like a fight like a Sambo champion for Volkanovsky? That is actually a worse idea would be to find uh, sorry, to fight a Sambo champion that is bigger than you. This fight is not going to be as competitive as people think. And to do that in Australia, to leave the Australian audience with that final fight, heading back home after seeing Islam basically butchering Volkanovsky, not because Volkanovsky is not an amazing and great fighter, but we there is a reason why we have weight classes. There is a huge reason, and, and, and we're talking about Islam maybe moving up to welterweight. He's not a small lightweight. I love Volkanovski. I, I, I'm a big fan of him, but I truly hope that he focuses on his division. There's many interesting fights left at featherweight. He has not cleaned up the division. It's, it's, it's um, absolutely, uh, at least according to me, it's a huge mistake. Do I want to see the fight? Yeah, I, I guess I kind of do. But it's it's the same thing as with Charles Oliveira. We're going to try to find different things that we feel that Volkanovski is able to do. And if he does those and Islam has an off night, he will win. But let's be honest, Mike. It's 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 a terrible matchup for Volkanovski. That's all for me, Mike. I mean, I don't I don't dislike the take. I, I get where you're coming from. But Volkanovski's 34 years old. He ain't a spring chicken. Like, if he's going to do it, he has to do it now. He has to do it now. And the reason is, like like you said, there are, a, there are a lot of interesting matchups for him at 145. Against who? Like, there are some in the future, but there's none right now. We don't have anybody that has emerged as the guy. Not one person. We have Yair. We have Josh Emmett. Yair won against Brian Ortega in kind of a weird way. And then he went on a microphone and said, I ain't fighting anybody else but Volk. Okay. That ain't going to do you any favors. Josh Emmett, most people thought he lost to Calvin Cater. He is not, he is not the guy. Arnold Allen's fighting Calvin Cater. If Arnold beats Cater, he's probably still a win away. Like all Volkanovsky is, and I don't disagree with Volk. Like, this is the thing. When people say, like, Volkanovski, you're holding up the division, he's like, what are you talking about? I ain't holding up anything. The division is holding up the division because no one's emerging. That's all this guy has wanted. I want contenders, one after the other. That's what I want. And there's nobody right now. Like, no one has emerged as the guy. Nobody. 
That's why I had to fight Max Holloway again. Because the only one who did was Max. Max had one of the all-time great showings against Calvin. And then he beat Yair in a crazy fight. Like, he's the guy. Like, he emerged. What else could you ask this guy to do? He was the guy. He emerged. These fighters have had plenty of opportunities to emerge, and they ha- no one's done it. So I don't blame him for making this move because there's nobody there for him to fight. Like, no one has broken through. So I get the argument, like, he hasn't knocked off everybody in the division, but this is 2022. This isn't 2005, where you just fight anybody willy-nilly, whoever's available that's in the top 10. No. Volk wants the number one guys, and there isn't one. Now, a year from now, year and a half from now, he's going to have some. He's going to have Taporia or Bryce Mitchell or Vloyev or guys like that. Sadiq. We'll see where Yair does. We'll see what Emmett does. We'll see where Cater is. We'll see what Giga is. We'll see where Arnold Allen is. Like, he's going to have that. He just doesn't have it now. And go get it, man. Like, you're not going to have a lot of chances to do it. So you might as well do it now while you don't have anybody to fight. Let the division sort itself out. Like, I'm okay with it. I know Jed's like, if you're going to do it, just vacate the title. But I wouldn't do that yet. All right, I'm eeny meaning this last one. I have to go. Uh, what did I just do? I pushed the wrong button. All right, real Marwin. Are you there? Real quick, because I got to go. All right. Uh, nothing there. All right, Ani, you you get to take us home real fast. Hello. Let me quickly um, get a few yes or no questions. Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera is a bigger fight for the title. If it is for the title, yes or no? Um, I mean, every fight's bigger for the title, of course. Yes, so it is. And Henry Cejudo is unreliable. Yes or no? Yes. So, uh, after UFC 279, I don't think anything is crazy. So, here's what's going to happen. Like, Aljo versus uh, Hendy Sahuto is going to happen. Sahuto beats Aljo and retires. The title is vacant and you make the title fight uh, with Marlon Vera and Sean O'Malley. Everyone is happy. What do you think? This is just, you know, a lighthearted way to end the heck of a morning. That's it. Thank you, Mike. I mean, you're asking for a lot. If that's what happened, fine, but it's going to take an awful long time to get there. So I don't know. This whole thing's a mess. It's a mess. Aljo, save us. Save us, Aljo. Go do a bunch of interviews and just call it O'Malley over and over again. All right. I see you, Ebswali. I see you, Jero. I see you, Real Marwin. I see you, The Am. Luckily, we're going to do another show tomorrow. We're doing another show on Friday. So. You guys will jump the line. I promise you have my word. Most times I live up to it. Sometimes I forget. This time I will not. All right. But I got to go. I gave you almost two hours. But I have other things I have to take care of today. I really do. So I don't get in trouble. So back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. We also have BTL tomorrow. Fun matchup. Jed is still retired. But Jed has come through. He's found us somebody that's going to, he feels is a suitable replacement 
uh, to go against. We're going to welcome Drake Riggs back to the show. So exciting stuff. And then Friday, we'll be back again, 10 a.m. Eastern. And then it's just chaos, baby. We get you ready for UFC Vegas 63. We get you ready for Anderson Silva versus Jake Paul. Bellator's got a card. It's just going to be a very busy week and a very busy weekend. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.